Hey, welcome to the podcast of Orchard Hill Church. That's right. Our name has changed. We've got a new building and we are launching there this weekend. January 29th, 10 a.m. We will be live uh, and we're so excited about that. So this is the last service that we had at The Rock and it comes from a series called Thank You More Please where we talk about what it means for us to be both grateful and petitioning the Lord for more. Uh, for the sake of the people around us and our world. So enjoy this sermon, and we hope to see you at our new location at 2545 West Comet on the 29th and every Sunday forward. Our scripture today comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 3. It reads like this. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good, good morning. It's good to see you all. Uh, thank you for being here on... Uh, the la- our last day here at The Rock. It's kind of hard to believe. Um, we have prayer um, on every Sunday morning uh, for about 30 minutes uh, as just a time where we invite anybody who wants to come to come and pray. And as we were praying this morning, one of the things that just really overwhelmed me was how much we have seen in this gym. Like, uh, I guess if you were to make a list of holy spaces in the world. Uh, most of the time, basketball gyms don't make those lists. I, I guess they do for like certain sports fans, but uh, this has been a holy space for us. This has been a thin space for our church for over eight years. Um, and it's amazing to think there are people who were baptized here, people who came to know Jesus here, families that uh, renewed their faith, who came to the church and maybe discovered who God was making them uh, here. That this has been a place where we've had community and we've had celebrations, we've had funerals, we've celebrated Easter here and Christmas here. We've had all of these incredible things and I just wanna stop uh, as we get going and just say thank you for all of the ways that each each one of you has been a part of what God has been doing um, in this space. Uh, it was with a lot of careful consideration that we entered into the process that we're now at the cusp of a move. Um, But it was in light of seeing what God is doing, but also knowing that everything that God has done to this point has been setting us up for a future, and that includes a lot of things here. So I want to thank those of you who invested your time and your energy and your resources, those who set up and tear down thanklessly. Uh, You got sugary donuts at the last moment. 
Those of you who've been a part of cleaning, of setting up and tearing down for guests and people who've rented the space, uh, for those of you who have been uh, just such an essential part of making this place a home for our church in the season we've been here, thank you so much. Uh, we have a lot to rejoice in. We're in a series uh, that we do at the beginning of every year since I've been here. We call it Thank You More, Please. It's this idea that we want to be people of gratitude, but also people of prayer and intercession, that we live in this tension as the people of God of being incredibly humbled and grateful by the way that God is good and faithful, that he provides, that he is for us. And yet we want to follow the lead of God in asking for big things, not because we're necessarily without, but because God wants to do big things in our world. And he calls us to be a people of prayer. Uh, I was thinking about that idea and just the idea of like more please. Like really, right now in this season we're in, I feel like we're in a season where we're overwhelmed with gratitude. Even the fact that today is like moving day and that we've got a property that's going to become a home for us and enable us to do mission and ministry in ways that we've longed to uh, but haven't been able to thus far. Like, it's incredible. And to have a Sunday where we're like, we're going to actually sit around and ask God for more. It feels a little arrogant, a little bit. <laughs> like, are we not being grateful? If you missed last week's sermon online, and yes, the heat was out here. Thank you all for being flexible with us. Um, but Christy's sermon was incredible. It was an incredible guide uh, into gratitude. And uh, we we do really want to spend a lot of time recognizing and not, not taking anything for granted that God is doing right here around us. Uh, at the same time, we do feel the urgency of God calling us to continue to pursue him and ask for more. Uh, this sermon last year, I talked about how to pray more in the presence of God is to work on three assumptions that we have to keep in mind. One, that God is good. Like, he's the good father that doesn't give us a stone when we ask for bread. He's the one who, um, he's not going to, my pastor used to say, he's not going to take a snipe hunting and leave us holding the bag, if you know what that means. Like, God is good, and he's good to his people. We want to assume that as we pray. We want to assume that God is for us, and that assumption is rooted in, in Jesus and his work himself. If God was not for us, then the cross makes no sense. This entire thing that we're doing doesn't make any sense, because the entire story of Scripture is the story of God who pursued us. Not of a people who pursued him, but a God who pursued his people to reconcile and to bring his people back to himself. So, so God is for us, and he is good. We also want to assume that God is for our world, that when we pray and we ask on behalf of our world, we're not trying to bend God's will in a direction it's not already headed. Because the cross that's good news for us is also good news for the world. The fact that he is coming to make all things new is something that we can rejoice in and take confidence in, and it gives us the confidence to, to speak good news and to live out the good news in our community. So we want to start with those assumptions today. Um, and it's funny, I, I've been thinking about some of the verses that really do call the church to pray. Like Jesus tells this story of, of a widow who persistently wears out this judge for justice in her world. And he starts off the story in Luke, it says, Jesus told his disciples, a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I love that the Gospels, the position of Jesus towards prayer is, wear me out, please. Like, don't be afraid to ask and to keep asking. That the posture of like a faithful follower of God is someone who persistently prays and asks for what they're missing or what they don't have or what their world needs and doesn't have. Another verse 
Um, it says in Luke 11, Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This teaching in Luke, which is like Jesus's largest teaching on like how to pray, he closes with this idea of like ask and seek and knock. So even a church that is blessed, even if you are in a place where you're like, I don't know if I need to ask for another thing because God is so good to me. Even then God would say to be a faithful follower of me is to keep asking and seeking and knocking on behalf of your world. To be consistently persistent in prayer. So that's one of the things that was like, well, even though we are in a place right now where honestly we are overwhelmed with God's graciousness and goodness to us as a church, the call for us to ask, not just for our own sake, but the sake of the world is there. And it's part of what it means to be faithful. I also find verses like this. Like in Luke 12, Jesus says, when someone's been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Uh, when I was in college, I was part of a movement at LSU, and um, we met every Monday night at the clock tower in the center of campus and just prayed and interceded for our campus, asking God to do miraculous things. And it was an incredible season of life. And I remember one of my friends uh, there, Chico, he said, uh, as we were praying, that God gave him this picture of like a bunch of people like working in a field and praying that God would, would pour out just water on like a drought, a, just a dreary place. And then all of this water poured out from, this, from the heavens and everyone just quit working. And one of the things he told me, he said, I felt like God was just saying, if we're praying these big things and we're not willing to do the work once our prayers are answered, what are we doing? Because when God provides, he also entrusts. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Another verse in James 4, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own, own pleasures. And so I read verses like this and I'm like, well, man, I feel like God wants us to ask and ask boldly and to seek and to knock, but also like it really matters how we pray and what kind of church we want to be. Um, we want to be a church that doesn't just ask for more, but that uh, handles whatever God gives in a way that honors God. And so to, if we're going to ask for more, we better be more specific. And so today as we talk about praying and interceding for our world and for our church, even for ourselves, I want to go to Paul's prayer in Ephesians to just talk about three things that I see there. Like if Paul prays for more for the church well, how does he do it? Because I think we can just take some cues off of that and think about what it means for us to pray well as we think about this next year. We think about all the change that's happening. Some of it uh, we very much are excited about. Some of it is coming whether we want it or not. Uh, and we've all been there in life. But change is a part of life. How we handle what is coming is really up to us. And so how we pray for more, what we're asking for in the presence of God is really important. So let's take some clues from Paul today as we look. Now he says, uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power within us. Like Paul has more in mind. When we ask for more, what do we have in mind? 
that's a really good thing for us to stop and think about. Like when we are going to God and asking God to act, to move, to do something, where is it coming from? And what do we have in mind? Uh, I love that in this prayer, as we read through it, one of the things that Paul keeps coming back to is the power of God and the presence of his spirit to do things. That when Paul is praying for more for the sake of the church, he's, he's not just asking uh, for specific things. He's asking um, about what God can alone do in his people. And it's interesting because most of us, and, and I don't think that God is afraid for us to ask. Matter of fact, he encourages us to ask for what we need, to pray really practical prayers, to say, give us today our daily bread. Those things are not evil or wrong in any way. But when Paul starts praying for more for the church, he doesn't go for practical needs. He starts with a need for a supernatural move of God to do something that only God can in the church. He's not just praying for provision. He's praying for power from the Holy Spirit to be poured out in the church. And he asks about it in three specific ways. First, he's, he says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I had a friend in college who his first tattoo that he ever got was on his chest. It was a mailbox with a sidewalk leading up to a house and on the mailbox it said Jesus. Because he wanted, I don't know, it to say that Jesus lived in his heart. <laughs> when we think, think about God dwelling in our hearts. This is uh, sometimes language that we feel might be a little foreign to Scripture. This is one of the clearest places where it talks about God making his home in his people. Uh, and the picture there in a culture that has gods and houses of God, these would be temples. These would be places where God dwells. Uh, this is where in other places in Paul's teaching, he talks about the people of God becoming the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The idea is not that God is contained in his people, but that the place in any town you would go to meet God would be at a temple. And Paul's prayer is that the people of God would become the place where people go to meet God in their neighborhood, in their workplace, wherever they go, which is a really profound prayer. I mean, think about it. Adam, he works in a place that I will never go, most likely, unless I need to, like, drop something off to you or whatever. But Adam goes there every day. And Paul's prayer for Adam would be that Adam would be a place where, through the power of the Spirit, his presence would dwell in his heart. And one level, that's so that Adam would have the presence of God with him, which is good news. But on another level, it's because Adam's life becomes the site where God is met in his workplace, which is really profound. It takes a supernatural thing for God to do, that God would give us himself so that where you are, his dwelling can be found in that place. Paul's first prayer is that his, the people of God would be lived in, moved into, indwelt, uh, that he says in other places in Scripture that it's Christ in us is the hope of glory, that we would be a people that God is in, in a way that makes us the site where God is seen in the world. That's a prayer for more that I think honors what God is all about, that aligns with his mission and vision, that his people would be the place, the dwelling place of God that God would be with his people and he would be with them in every place that they go, which is incredible. 
And it's true for those of us that are in Christ. If you are in Christ and you have been, then you have been given the Holy Spirit so that he is with you wherever you go. It's not about how you feel. Whether you feel God is 80,000 miles away or right here close to your face, he's with you. Your feelings don't tell you the truth. Jesus tells you the truth. So believe Jesus. When you have his spirit, he's with you. It has nothing to do with how good or bad you've been that day. It's not like you have, uh, man, I've lived a really righteous life today, so I'm really close to God. And then, oh, man, I said that one word I shouldn't say, so I better back up. I'm far away from God. And then I saw so-and-so, and and I got to encourage them, so I'm close to God. And then, oh, man, I saw that person that I hate, and I treated them like I hate them, so I'm probably really far away from God. That's not the way this works. By the grace of God, you've been given his spirit. And while your communion with God may may experience interruption from sin, it's not proximity to God that you're lacking. He has given you himself. And Paul's prayer is first that the people of God would be filled with God, would be indwelt with God, that God would be with them and fill them. Another way you could put this is that Paul prayed they would be more his, that they would be fully given, that, that God wouldn't be, if you want to put this in the context of like dwelling language, that you wouldn't be an a, um, Airbnb that God visits every once in a while but that you would be the dwelling place of God, that he would hang his keys on the door and call your life his home, that he would be welcomed into every facet of you and who you are and how you live, that this is a picture of, of welcome and surrender, and that Paul's prayer, if he was going to pray for more for the church, it wasn't more buildings, it wasn't more things, it was primarily that they would be more his and completely filled and indwelt with God. Second, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So this is a good, we're going to talk about this word together a lot over the next few weeks. Uh, This is where my theology of y'all comes in, that you are not you, you are a y'all, that you are a part of something bigger if you are in Christ, that we're a part of each other. Um, And when Paul's praying, he's like, this isn't just a prayer for you as an individual, this is a prayer for y'all together, all of God's holy people. He says, I pray that you would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now we're going to get to the clause that comes to this as to the end, where that that points us, but I want to stop there for a second because God's desire is for us to, to know his love to know it deeply. Paul prayed that they would know Christ more. I can speak from personal experience. The most dangerous places in my journey of faith that I've ever reached are the places where I feel like I've got God figured out and I know exactly who he is and what his love looks like. Because in those places... What I'm doing is I'm resisting the idea that God is actually greater and bigger and stronger and more gracious and more holy and more good. I'm allowing myself to contain God in a box that I can hold. And what I found is the moments in my life where I have had the most incredible breakthroughs are God are the times where God allowed me to grasp what is hard to even articulate. 
And Paul says here, he wants you to know a love that surpasses knowledge. Like, what does that even mean? It means, honestly, that you can experience God's love even if you can never articulate God's love. That God's love is more gracious than you can ever explain. And if you've ever been in a moment where you've needed more grace than you thought God would offer and then he offered it to you, you know, oh man, God is, God's bigger than I thought. That his love is wider, that God embraces people, including people like us. That if God is truly holy, you're like, how, how could you even? And he's like, let me show you who I am. And he loves you and he receives you as you are and he doesn't leave you as you are and he does the same in our world. A church that experiences more of that, that knows more of God and is gripped by the love of God and is grasping onto it, is holding on to say, I want to know how wide and long and deep and high, I want to to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That prayer is a prayer that will lead to an incredible life because it will anchor us It will fill us. It will settle us. That God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can think or ask or imagine. And he says all of this because he says that you would be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, spoiler alert, an an immeasurable God being filled with the fullness of his measure that should like mess with your brain. Because <laughs> you're like, how can we be filled with the infinite? How can we become a container to be filled with all of the fullness of God? Now, some of this is this idea that this is a message to all of us. That in community, as we live together, we should experience the love of God more and more. But the goal of experiencing the love of God is that we would be filled to the fullness of God. That we together would become a community that looks more and more like Christ because we've been transformed by this love that we are experiencing, even if we can't name it and articulate it, that through what we know, what is lacking in us is being filled up by the power and presence of the Spirit of God in the church. When Paul prays for more, he's praying that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In some ways, This has been a challenge to me as I've thought about like where are the places where I naturally kind of set up like a boundary line where I'm like, I'm Christian enough in this area. (laughs) You know, I'm loving enough towards this person. I'm not a horrible person. I'm fine. (laughs) Uh, The places where I feel like I'm holy enough, I'm religious enough, I'm doing enough, like wherever that bar is where I'm just like, hey, this is like the right amount of like givenness to God. And then past that, like, you know, like, it, it'll work. It'll do. It'll do, Lord. Where Paul's prayer for the church is that we would never hit a point where we are like, that's far enough, Jesus. That's good enough. Like, I was baptized. Good enough, right? That there was never, like, a one or two time experience of God's life that the the church was intended to experience. We were intended to walk with him in intimacy and yieldedness, experiencing more and more with each part of our journey. And even in the highs and the lows that we weren't saying, hey, I had this mountaintop experience once and that was great and I'll just hold on till heaven. But instead that the church itself would say, I want to be filled with the fullness of God. 
which like implies two really important things. One, that whatever God has started in you, he's not done. And that you have to say, if he's not done, then I want it to keep going. I want it to keep going. I don't want what I've experienced to be enough. I don't want to always look back and say, well, well there, there was that one time where things were super good with God and now it's just, man. No, the work that God's begun in his church, he's going to carry it on to completion. The work that he's begun in you, it has not stopped. And his intention is not only to keep going, but for you to be a person who is welcoming it. To basically say, as I'm waiting for the kingdom of God to come, I'm also not waiting. I'm pursuing God. I'm making room for God to do more in me than he ever has. I'm welcoming and praying and asking and seeking and knocking for more. In a way that just aligns with what God's deep desire to pour himself out upon his people. It reminds me, um, of this quote from Derwin Gray. I've used this before. He says, if God answered your prayers, would your life become more holy and would more people come to faith in Jesus? There's certain prayers for more that I think God honors. I had a friend when I was in high school who just prayed to God to get a Toyota 4Runner. And his dad bought him one. And I was like, is this how this works? <laughs> I've prayed for that. I didn't get a 4Runner. Like, what sort of magic do you have, dude? Um, I think there's prayers that we pray that God honors, but then there's prayers that really align with his heart. And if the prayers of our church for more are aligned with God's heart, that we would be more his, that he would be more ours, that we would be filled with his fullness, can you imagine the transformation it would not only bring to us as a church, but to our world? Because people who are transformed are signposts and samples of the reality of God. And chances are you know people in your own house, in your own workplace, in your own school, like wherever you find yourself. You know people that what they really need is to know the reality of God. That God is real and he transforms people and he liberates people and he saves people and he sets people free. And part of the reason that they're not seeing that, it could be that at a base level, we just have to say, well, God, if there's a hurdle in me, remove it. I'm willing to ask for more this year. To say in 2023, like, as excited as I am about where we're going and all the things that are going to happen, if we are not a church that is filled to the fullness of God more this year than last year, than ever before, then it doesn't matter. We have to be more specific about our prayers for more this year. So I'm going to ask Brian to come up. Um, I'm going to ask him to play as we kind of turn to a time of prayer uh, and just a time of intercession. And I want to put three things up, um, just three statements that I've, I've pulled out of this, uh, this prayer in Ephesians for us to kind of sit and spend a little bit of time praying for. Because uh, we want to ask for more. And it means that, like that verse that I read, to people who more is given, more is required. Some of us, if we're real honest, we're like, hey, I don't know if I want to ask for more because it's going to mean more out of, out of me. It's going to mean, uh, might mean that things have to change. Might mean that um, I have to deal with some things. It might mean I have to face up to some things. It might mean that I can't live the way I like to live. It might mean that there's some things I need to put down or pick up. It might mean uh, that... I have to become more like Christ in a way that I feel like is impossible unless Christ does something miraculous, and that kind of scares me. It could be, in a very simple sense, 
that you don't think God could do it to you. And that's a lie. He can, and what he wants is a people who are just willing to say, hey, I'm willing to ask for more in the ways that you seem to be willing to give more. And so I want to put these three statements up. More of me, more of him, more full than ever. And in some ways, you might say, well, this, this doesn't seem like a time of intercession for the world, but I want you to think about the good that this would bring to your world. If Christ had more of you, and you had more of him, and you were more full than ever, we're going to take a couple moments and just welcome the Spirit to speak. And it could be that there's some things here where you're like, ah, I feel like I'm, my toes are just getting stepped on, and I don't like this. And I would say just lean in and ask the Lord, hey, is there anything you want to talk to me about when it comes to these three statements? And it could be that, you know what, there's a part of you that's like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know what it is to ask for more, but I know my world needs more of Jesus. And so if there's something, God, you can do in me for their sake, for the sake of that family member, for the sake of that coworker, for the sake of that friend that was once close to Jesus but far away, or that person that you know that you're like, oh man, if they would just get a glimpse, it would change their life. And pray for more for them. And pray that what God does in you could be a part, a catalyst, a sample. That God is real and full and beautiful and able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So let's take a moment and pray. Bow your heads. Lord, more of me, more of you, more full than ever. Lord, is there anything that you want to speak to your people about? in these moments. We welcome you, Holy Spirit.